Well, good morning, and welcome again to Journey. Uh, my name is Randy. It's great to have you with us today. We are going to embark on a few weeks now talking about parenting, and uh, I know that not everybody here is a parent. Um, you know, I, um, we always try to make things relevant and apply, and across the board sometimes it may not hit you right where you are today, uh, but I'm, I'm going to be a, a grandparent here in a few weeks. And, uh, I, you know, when I think about this, especially today's topic, I'm I began to think, is this how I would love for my granddaughter, who, by the way, will be beautiful, and her name is Sophie uh, when she is born, uh, but is this how I'd like my granddaughter to be parented? And I think so. And so uh, last night I talked to my daughter and I said, now listen up on uh, Facebook Live tomorrow morning, just get some tips and some ideas for, for Sophie, all right? So if you're a, a parent, I hope it relates. If you're a grandparent, think about it. If you're not in that situation uh, bear with those who are maybe in the middle of this struggle. Uh, it is a challenge for all of us. But uh, So we're going to be doing this for a few weeks now, and then we're going to jump into uh, something a little bit different. Uh, but let me ask you, how many of you have seen this scenario? You've seen a, you know, a bunch of kids playing, and uh, this, little, this child is having a ball, and all of a sudden the parent realizes, we got to go. And so they just say to their, their child, Come, uh, you're mean, I don't want to go. And so the parent you know, negotiates a little bit tries to reason with them, gives them a few more minutes, but still, they got to go at some point. The child's still not ready to leave. And so the parent, I've seen this many times, the parent starts for the child. The child won't come to you, you got to go to the child. Go to the child, the child takes off running, away from the parent, right? The parent chases them. This is look, turning into a zoo. Uh, this, we've all seen this, right? They finally catch their child because they're bigger and a parent, you know, and they, they catch the child and they drag the child, kicking and screaming, only the child only relents when they promise them ice cream or candy. Now, you know what that is? That's ridiculous, isn't it? It's ridiculous. But probably we, all of us have found ourselves there at some point or we've seen somebody else. But you know what happens the next time the child is playing and the parent says it's time to go? The very same thing because the child has learned that they can get what they want the parent will negotiate with them, and in fact, the parent will even reward them for their bad behavior. If you look at the big picture, you got to say, there's a problem here somewhere. There's a, this is not working. And I think the problem sometimes in this scenario and others is that parents feel trapped. We're not sure what we ought to do. Yeah, it makes us feel really silly when we're out there trying to catch a child and, 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 you know, and conform down to our will. We feel like, man, this isn't working very well. This isn't how I thought it was supposed to be. I thought... Children were to obey and parents were to, you know, be in charge. You're wondering what other people think about you. You're also wondering, is this, is this really helping my child? I don't think we're getting anywhere. We're not getting ahead by, by acting this kind of behavior. And I think sometimes we feel trapped in those things. I think sometimes we feel trapped in several other areas as well besides discipline or obedience. We feel trapped sometimes in education, an education trap. You know, maybe you're concerned about the public school education but you don't feel like you can afford private school, and maybe your child would miss out on something if they weren't in the public system. So what do you do about that? You can't even fathom what homeschooling might look like in your situation. That, that seems out of the question for you. So there's an edu education trap. You know, there might even be a peer pressure trap. You, you feel like your young child doesn't need a smartphone, but every other kid in their class has got a smartphone. You don't want them to see a certain movie. It don't feel like it's appropriate, but everybody else in their class is talking about the movie. You don't think the latest fashions are really appropriate for your child at their age level, 
But all the other parents are buying them for your child and their children, and you don't want your kid to be weird, and you wonder, maybe I'm just being old-fashioned. Is it really appropriate? You know, am I just being, you know, an old uh, codger about this, or is this really something I would stand on? And then there's the issue of faith or belief or, or religion. You've got some convictions that you want your kids to see and would love for them to adopt, but you don't want your child to, you want your child to decide for themselves. You don't want to shove something down their throats, right? You know, everybody talks about that. But you also don't want them getting on the internet and finding some stuff and ending up going on a plane to Istanbul and joining up with ISIS. You don't want that to happen either, you know? There's some weird belief out there. How do, you, how do you lead your child to develop their own faith? How do they determine what they're going to believe? So you feel trapped between a rock and a hard place, between what you want to do, what you have convictions to do, and what you feel like you have no choice but to do. I don't know if you've ever felt like that as a parent, but I've, I've been there. Now, our kids are grown, kind of like Tony. We're in empty nesters now and kind of looking at the next generation. But, but let me just tell you, if you're in the thick of this, these are the type of things that we struggle with all the time and many more. Now, fortunately, we're not left on our own though, to try to figure that out when it comes to those type of dilemmas. While the Bible is not going to tell you if and when you ought to give your child a smartphone, it does give us some guiding principles in helping us figure out these type of decisions and dilemmas that we have. Because there's a lot of wisdom in the Word of God. The Bible is timeless. It is relevant no matter what. And so as we look at the Bible, we're going to tap into the next few weeks some of the the principles, more than just the specifics and principles, about what we can do to raise our child up, to avoid these traps, to figure out how do we, how do we get past these things and be faithful to God. And I want to share some things that, that I've learned as a parent in the last 30 years plus. You know, Lori and I weren't perfect parents at all. We made plenty of mistakes. But, but we did raise four children who were very different from birth into childhood, from childhood to adolescence to the teenage years, into college years, and out of marriage. In fact, in a couple of weeks, our last child will be married. So, so far, so good. But I will tell you, there's always room for uh, mistakes down the, the road. But, but, but God has kind of taught us some things. You know, one of the things I thought was interesting about our kids, two of our kids are adopted. And uh, I don't know about birth order, how that works out. But, but we raised three first ch- uh, child in the family, firstborns. We raised three firstborns, two that we adopted and one that we had of our own. And they're very different, very different from other ch- kids. It's not just... Uh, it's not just in the family, I think, birth order, but it's also the firstborn child. So, so it's kind of interesting how kids fall into their place, and, and we'll talk more about that a little bit later as we go on. But today we're going to talk about the thing I began with, and that was about the discipline trap. The discipline trap. Here is the discipline trap that we deal with our kids in a nutshell. You're told that you should not ever spank your child. You shouldn't punish them physically in any way. You're told that which leaves things for you uh, to do with your child, like taking away privileges, giving them a timeout, or just simply yelling at your kids. And let me just say this. If you yell at your kids all the time, I feel like that's abusive. I really do. I see parents that just scream at their kids constantly, as if screaming is making a difference. And they know it's not, but they don't know what else to do about that. And the problem with those things is that many of those things just don't work with your child. Your child, are not, they're not changing, and, and things seem to be getting worse, in fact, or maybe you're just getting worn out. You don't have the energy to do it anymore. And you wish maybe you could use a little something a little bit stronger, but you don't know if it's even legal or socially acceptable to do any more than that. 
Because all the current philosophies that we hear today, they sound really good, but the problem is they just don't work. Maybe you've experienced that or you've seen that in somebody else's life. And so you feel kind of trapped. Is there something you can do? How can you, how can you raise your kids and how can you discipline them well? Well, let's begin all of this by asking a simple question. How important is discipline at all, after all? I mean, is, is discipline really something that we ought to worry about? Do we need discipline? Is, is there a da- balance between the helicopter parents who, are, who their kids never make a mistake because they're on top of them all the time, or the free-range parenting whose, parent, whose kids, they don't even know where they are right now. You know, they're just turning them loose, and they're just raising themselves, and they don't even try to, to control them at all. How do we discipline appropriately, and how do we do it in a Christian way? Well, let me tell you this. This is where we're going to start, in that discipline is what shapes behavior, but more importantly, discipline is what shapes character. That's important. I want to say that again. Discipline is what shapes behavior, but more importantly, it is what shapes character. Because what we really want from our child is not just behavior. We want character, but what, what character does is it produces the right kind of behavior. So we're not trying to force our child. We're not trying to manipulate them by bribing them with something to be good. We're not trying to manipulate them with fear for them to be good. We just want them to be good because that is their character. That's what we're trying to do. And real discipline is what shapes behavior and also character. You see, real discipline is about directing and leading and and forming and molding a child's inner world. It's not really about punishment as much as it is about life correcting. It's about helping them find and follow the right path in their life. One that leads to Jesus also, obviously, but one that also leads to adulthood that gives uh, uh, respect for honor and, uh, and, and, and honor and respect to authority. You know, as I was writing this, I, I, re- I noticed maybe for the first time how closely the words discipline and discipling are. Have you noticed that? In fact, several times my spell check ended up throwing the other word in. When I was trying to write discipline, it put discipling in there and vice versa. And, and I began to realize, you know, that really is what discipline is all about. It is discipling our children. And, and in discipling, there's got to be some discipline. We have, to, we have to tell them no. We have to correct them at certain times. And we want to be, uh, be Christians who are making disciples. And, and we talked a few weeks ago how that really begins with our children. So it's so closely connected, you really can't separate them. So obviously, you, if you have children, you love your kids, and you're going to provide for those children. We, we, we all try to do that. You're going to make sure your kids are ed- educated. But let me ask you this. Are you going to raise them in such a way that they will give honor and respect for authority? Are they going to respect authority? That's the question. That's where discipline comes in. Because if they do not respect you as their parent, they will not respect anyone else beyond you. And that includes teachers, coaches, uh, the authorities, the law, and also God himself. And will they have self-control that comes from self-discipline? If they never know discipline from you, will they be able to discipline themselves when they're free, when they're older, so that they can obey the law, so they can follow the rules of life, and they can resist giving in to habits and and addictions that are destructive in their life? Because here's the reality, an undisciplined life leads to disaster. An undisciplined life leads to disaster, and you as the parent have the, the ground level to begin that in their lives. And a juvenile court judge said this, first of all, kids lost the admiration of authority 
And then they lost the respect for authority, and now they have lost the fear of authority. And I would have to say that's probably true. And, and as we look, you know, as I just kind of observe the court system sometime. I don't think they're helping a great deal because there's not a lot of bite. There's not a lot of, you know, uh, teeth in the court system to make a lot of difference. And so we're all just kind of working along in the same level. But the problem is that we as parents have dropped the discipline ball when our kids were small. I think that's really the issue. And the reality is that we can't just let our kids get away with everything. We, we can't do that, even though it's easier for us not to deal with it, right? We can't always compensate for uh, our, our children. We can't run interference for them. We can't always defend them. We know that they're wrong. We have to discipline them. And that means that we should always meet bad behavior, which comes from a lack of respect for authority, even in the home. We meet that with punishment. And I know it's difficult for a lot of people to think about but sometimes you have to punish your children. You have to punish your children. And that's a, that's a strange thought, foreign thought to some parents. They just never consider that because they love their kids. And they feel like loving them means you never punish them. Now, let me clarify this also because, unfortunately, in our fallen world today, people have confused punishment with abuse. And that becomes an issue that, that we, I want to talk about in just a second. And say there's absolutely no reason that punishment should ever become abuse. Punishment should never become abuse. A parent should never punish their child out of anger, out of personal frustration or retaliation for what they have done. If you are angry at your child and you want to get even uh, with them for hurting you in some way, then you need to stop right there. You need to stop. That is not what we're talking about at all. If you can't punish with love, and maybe your own tears at times, then you need to get your act together first before you even deal with it. And let me also say, I realize that in certain situations where a child has been physically abused, there's some types of physical punishment that may not be appropriate. I understand that exactly. Again, I have two adopted children. I've been through all the foster classes in the state of Indiana that they have to offer, all right? I've been there. I understand that. I'm not saying that, that you know, it happens across the board. But I think in most cases, that's the exception and not the rule. And let me also say that the punishment should match the behavior. The punishment should match the behavior. You know, if you punish severely for the smallest act, then you lose the impact of punishment. I've seen parents go off on their kids for the smallest thing. And, you know, sometimes you just got to roll with it, really. In a moment, we're going to talk about what the real reason for punishment or, or when you ought to punish. But understand that the punishment should match the behavior. Now, I also realize that some parents are going to push back on this. Maybe you're already sitting there pushing back on this and saying, I, I, don't, I don't agree with this at all. But I will say that for many who do that, they have the most uncontrolled children around. And that's pretty obvious to all the rest of us. All right? So, so you know, we're not going to say anything probably in most cases. We don't want to be rude. But, but we're all thinking you really need to get your family under control. You need to get your kids under control. You know, and, and that doesn't make you look like a good parent when your kids are crazy and are disobedient to you. And none of us like the idea of making our kids suffer. Believe me, I love my kids as much as anybody, but I know that there were times then when I was called to punish them, and it was not pleasant. It wasn't pleasant for them. It wasn't pleasant for me. But hopefully they never wanted to do it again when it was over. I certainly didn't. I would hope that they didn't want to as well. But here's the question that we want to ask next is, when do we punish we need to know when to punish. And the answer, I believe, is when there has been willful disobedience against your authority as a parent. 
when there is willful disobedience against your authority as a parent. Not when they're being kids, not when they're being irresponsible, but it's when you tell them to do something and they say no. When they challenge your authority, when they roll their eyes, when they smart off to you, when they storm out of the room and they slam the door. Because that is rebellion. That's what that is. It is open rebellion against you. And it starts with you, but it will continue again with everybody else who has authority in their lives. Teachers, authority figures, the law, ultimately God. So when your kids make a mess and they're just being kids, when they forget things and, and they run through the house and they're just, you know, you know, showing off energy, you need to have patience, you need to have a sense of humor, you need to roll with it, you need to try to redirect them. I'm not saying, you know, let them tear up things, but, but it's really when they willfully disobey you that you need to act immediately. Now, why is that? Because you love them too much. You love them too much to let them get away with rebellion and disobedience. You have to say, I love you, and this is a tough love, a love that's going to confront them, it's a love that's going to correct them. Now, now, where do we get all this? Is this just the way I was raised? Yes, it is. <laughs> is that all it is? No, no, it's, it's more than that. This is what comes from God's Word. So let's break into that. The Bible has a section called Wisdom Literature. And that is a lot of the place that we discover how, where God's wisdom comes from. And it's in the, uh, one of the books is book, book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 13 says, Whoever spares the rod hates their children. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. So what, what does God say? God says, if you truly love your child, you will discipline them. Now, I think some parents don't want their child to experience anything unpleasant. So they say, well, I'm not going to do anything. I'm never going to make any, my, my child suffer in any way. And, and so what they do is they talk and warn and nag and threaten, but they never, ever use discipline. And that's not love. That is not love. Love has to be tough at times. Love has to be tough for their good and also for your own good. Again, Proverbs 29, discipline your children, and they will give you peace. They will bring you delights, the delights you desire. So what does the, the, the writer say? You want peace and delight. And if you want your child to be a delight, according to the Bible, you've got to be willing to discipline them. If you want them to be respectful and courteous and kind and generous and loving, not only to you, but to culture as a whole, all the rest of us, they have to learn how to respect. And you are the only one that can do that. You're the only one that can raise a child that's respectful to other adults, can say hello and thank you and be nice and behave and, you know, not be rude to, to other people. Only you can do that. And unfortunately, a lot of parents are afraid to discipline and set rules and enforce them because they worry that it would make their child turn away from them. And in fact, they're fearful that their child won't like them. But let me tell you that your job is not for your child to like you all the time. Your child is to establish respect. Uh, your job is to establish respect in your child for you. And by the way, that's one of the Ten Commandments, that you honor and respect your parents. But you must respect, you must demand respect. And then you have to reinforce respect through discipline. And let me just say this to dads. Dads, this is where you come in. You have to get in the game. You cannot leave this and delegate this to the mother. You just simply can't do it. I see this all the time where dads just basically abandon the leadership and the discipline in the family and expect the mom to do it. I've heard dads say, you, you, your mom better not find out about this or you're going to be in trouble. 
you know, I, I just want to swat them. You know, I was like, no, this, this is your job. You got to be the one to do this. You can't, you can't expect the mom to do that. Dads, we have to lead in discipline, not be heavy handed, but just take the lead and not let it go and expect our, our spouse to do that. Now, how do we discipline our children? Well, obviously, that's a whole other message and talk for a long time about. There's different viewpoints about that. But again, let's go to the wisdom of God's Word, the wisdom literature. Proverbs 23, don't be afraid to correct your young ones. A spanking won't kill them. A good spanking, in fact, might save them from something worse than death. Now, what's worse than death? It's rebellion. Because a rebellious heart does not extend only to the parent. It extends to God as well. So when you are, are, are disciplining them, even the Bible says spanking them, that's not going to kill them. The next uh, scripture in Proverbs 29, a rod and a and reprimand impart wisdom, but a child left undisciplined disgraces his mother. A child left undisciplined disgraces its mother, and I might say its father as well. Now, there's a lot of ways to discipline a child, time out, removing privileges, but if you're wise, you're going to keep the option of physical discipline open as well. Not that you use it all the time, <laughs> not that it's a big deal, not that it's what you threaten your kid all the time, but the reality is while there are two camps about physical discipline, there's the spank camp and the no spank camp, the Bible, the book of wisdom is firmly in the spank camp, all right? It's exactly what it says, you know, you can't make it any different there. Not spanking for everything again, but your child knows the option is out there. I, I kind of call it the nuclear option, you know? That you know it's there, you know it's available, it's kind of hanging out there, and you don't threaten it all the time, you don't use it all the time. Amen. But whenever you use a nuclear option, it ought to hurt. It ought to hurt. So they don't want to do it again, you know? They don't want to experience it again. Some of you know that your timeouts and that your, um, your counting to three are a waste of breath. Why? Because your child knows you're not going to do anything when you get to three. And I know that to be true. I've, I've seen it happen. You know, you're trying to find two and a half and two and three quarter and two and seven eighths and trying to find some way to get there, you know, and your kid hopefully is going to pick up, but they're not. I want to encourage you. If you use the three system, that was, I don't know who invented that. Stop doing that. Would you stop doing that? Please stop doing that and stop the timeouts as well, you know. Set your child down and tell them there's going to be, here's the good news. There's no more threats and there's no more counting to three. No more threats for disobedience and defiance. Going forward, here's a new concept. I want you to expect first-time obedience. That is a new idea to many people, first-time obedience. What if your child did what you told them to do the very first time? Can you imagine what that would be like, how that would bring peace and delight into your life? It's all about conditioning, to be honest with you, because we've conditioned them to wait till the three. Why obey on one or two or two and a half? You know, maybe they get obey on three, but why should we ask them three times to obey? I believe the Bible teaches first-time obedience in all everything, including adults. And so we ought to expect first-time obedience. And that would be a lot more peace and delight that would come into our lives. Now, again, I'm not a hard-hearted person. If you knew me, you knew I... I the last spanking I gave, I cried more than the kid did, you know, I mean, I did, I, I hated that, and it's been a long time, all right, my youngest is 24, um, but I want to tell you, I believe that God has given us this, I, I don't, you can't look at it any other way in the Bible, and we're not talking about beating your kid at all, we're talking about some firm swats on the behind, 
because that's, I believe, how God patted it. That's what it's made for. And some would say, how do you do that? You know, maybe it's not all it's made for, but it's a good thing. It's the reason why it's made, all right? You know, uh, you know, what do you do that? Some say your hand, and others say, oh, no, never use your hand because that's supposed to be, you know, love your kid with a hand. You know, sometimes a hand's just handy, right? You know, it's just what's, that's all you got, you know? Uh, but other times, you know, there maybe it's a paddle. Maybe it's something you reserve that they just knows there. I, I don't know. Whatever it is, obviously it's just something that won't injure your child. We're not after that. We're just trying to find something to correct them. And let me say this, too, that, that a lot of times parents feel like, you know, maybe you hear this and say, well, it's too late to start this with my children. And I would say that for the very best results, start early with your children. Start early. Proverbs chapter 22, again, start children off the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Why? Because honor and respect are established in the early years of your child's life. They're established in the early years. So if you discipline when they're young, you won't then have all the problems when they're old. You won't have the problems. And I will say this, it is difficult to initiate honor and respect uh, when a child, when they're in their teens. But if they know and love the Lord, it's not impossible. It's not too late. So maybe it's sitting down and reasoning this out and saying, look, we have roles in our family. And, and I made some mistakes, or maybe I did in the past, but let's talk about this, and let's talk about what it looks like for me to lead your parent for the rest of the years you're in our home, and, and then let's, let's show honor and respect to one another. Sometimes it becomes more reasonable as, as they get older, and I don't think it's too late, but the best thing is to establish respect and honor and obedience when they're very young. Because here's the thing, we make the child who they are, who they are. You know, I, I've seen parents sometimes of toddlers that laugh at their kids when they tell them no. And maybe you've done that. I, I hope you don't do that. But it's not cute when your toddler gets away with telling you no. You should never laugh at them. You should never let them get away with that sort of thing because you're starting some bad habits that you're going to have to deal with on down the road, I promise you. When a child's about 18 months old, and most authorities agree on this, 18 months or so, they're capable of knowing what you're telling them to do and what not to do. And that's when that you can truly hold them responsible and you can begin physical punishment at that point. And if you lovingly discipline them when they're young, you won't have to do it when they get older. As they get older, discipline becomes less physical and more relational. Why? Because they respect you and, and your authority and what you're asking them to do and tell them to do. Not only that, they know and remember the past. God, here's the thing. You're not gonna rem your child's not going to remember a timeout. Can you imagine a child looking back? I remember one time I had to sit in a chair for 20 minutes doing nothing, and it was horrible. It was so painful. What child remembers a timeout? You know, does your child remember uh, going without their phone for an hour or four hours or a day? No. Does your child remember missing a television show or computer? But they're going to remember a spanking, if it's done firmly, and if it's done with love. And I believe that, that it needs to be memorable. I know that the times that I've learned lessons from God, and the painful lessons, it was through a difficult time, and, and it was painful, but I remember. I don't want to repeat that. And that's how it is in our relationship with God. Now, let me just say this in wrapping up. I know that what I've shared today goes against cultural trends in our culture, and our society. I understand that. But you know what? I don't see things getting better. 
If I did, I would say, okay, you know, the old ways, they don't work. You know, let's try the new ways. But our culture is moving away from traditional values and God's values and practices. We're not getting any better. We're not evolving to get better. So if you're a parent of a young child, you've got to choose who you're going to listen to. Are you going to listen to the culture or are you going to listen to God? The wisdom of the Bible or the changing you know, opinions of some professional that maybe doesn't even have kids. And I think that choice is true in every area of our life. Are we willing to put our faith and our trust in the world or in God? Because when we trust God and we obey Him and we do the hard things, even though we don't want to, then we're going to find peace and delight, not only in our children, but also in life itself. And for a lesson, let's look at Jesus. Jesus did the hard things. Jesus went to the cross to take on our punishment for us. It was necessary for our salvation, for our freedom. Do you think that the Father, God, do you think he liked allowing his son to experience that punishment? Do you think he enjoyed that? Do you think he would like for him to have avoided that? Even Jesus prayed, Father, if it's possible, can I avoid this? But it was not possible. It was necessary. And I believe that we have to understand that that kind of punishment that Jesus took on for us is just obviously much greater than anything we may experience or may share to our children. But if it brings correction, if it brings redemption, if it brings healing, and it brings obedience, then it's worth it all. And today we have light. So this morning, I just want to challenge you as you think about your role, wherever it is, maybe you're not a parent, you know, maybe you're a parent who's struggling and, and you just need some wisdom, go to God's Word. This is the kind of truth you'll find there. I, we're, we're not exhaustive in what we read today. The model the Bible gives us is, is the perfect model, though, in every aspect of our life. And I just want to encourage you. And if you don't have kids at this point, will you pray for the people around you who are struggling and dealing with these questions in their life? And pray for what God may do in your personal life as well to draw you to him through the punishment that Jesus took upon himself. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Lord, God, as we deal with the, the practical issues of life, things like children, things like, like marriage and agreeing with our spouse on these type of things, things like stepping up and taking responsibility for, for leading a family that, that you've given us. God, these are all hard things for us. And Father, it's easy for us, you know, just to blow these things off and, and to not be obedient ourselves. And yet, Lord, we, we find that we maybe are as guilty as our children when we've failed in doing what you've asked us to do in the hard things in life. So God, please forgive us and help us set the example of faithfulness for our children, for one another, for our grandchildren, for the people who are around us in our culture, that God, we might all grow in obedience and faithfulness. Father, that we might be the children you want us to be, and we might raise children to be the children you want, so that we would bring you delight and peace and joy. And Lord, I ask all these things in Christ's name, amen.